When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. This is the Tar Heel Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. This is Coach Banghart Live, brought to you by the Carolina Club, your social and business club in Chapel Hill, and your connection to fellow Tar Heels and friends of Carolina. Now, here's your host, Matt Krause. And welcome in to our second edition of the Courtney Banghart Show for this 2020-2021 Carolina women's basketball season. My name is Matt Krause, radio play-by-play voice of Carolina women's basketball, joined by the head coach herself, Courtney Banghart, albeit virtually. I'm broadcasting from my home studio. Coach Banghart is in her office on campus in Carmichael Arena. And Coach, we really wish we were at the Carolina Club, especially now that the calendar's turned to December. JR and his staff do a great job decorating that space for Christmas. That's really the only bummer to talk about this week, is that we really wish we could be there. Yeah, just good people, good energy, good food too, man. Yeah, I've, a lot of things I miss and um, with COVID and obviously the time at the Carolina Club together is one of those things. Well, here we are one week into the season, three games complete for the Tar Heels. Objective one, get three games played. Check. Objective two, win all three games. Check. I think week one went about as successfully as you could have hoped, couldn't it? 
Yeah, gosh, I was just so glad to get games in and to see our team against um, someone besides ourselves after playing ourselves since July. Um, and, you know, we, there were a lot of things we, we thought, thought about our team, um, and now there's a lot of things we know about our team. So, um, yeah, excited for this next week coming up. In case you missed it, a 90-61 victory over Radford, a 96-35 win over UNCG, and a 95-70 win over High Point. The three triumphs for the Tar Heels this weekend. That High Point game, Carolina trailed it by 21 late in the first quarter. So that comeback is now the largest in program history. It is the second largest in the history of ACC women's basketball topped only by Notre Dame's 2018 comeback against Tennessee. And coach, now that you've had the time to digest the film of that high point comeback, what impressed you the most about your team's effort and energy and being able to erase that hole and what turned out to be a 46 point swing by the time the game was finished? Yeah, a lot of things. I think we showed enormous grit early in the year with a very inexperienced group um, to not not come unglued and not kind of change who we were. We had to make some adjustments on both ends, but you know the cohesion of our group, they stuck together, um, the internal grit that they each showed, and then also just that um, that people stepped up when we needed them to, and that's what the team, that's what the year is going to be about, is, is everyone's going to have to step up when we need them, and uh, there were a lot of good to come from that. You're known both inside and outside the game of basketball as such a dynamic leader and something that I noticed in the huddles on the bench early in that game when High Point jumped out to the huge lead is you remained so calm in instructing your team and keeping those spirits high. Where along the line in your coaching journey did that come from? Because you see a lot of coaches in the game who are a lot more animated on the sidelines, but I think some of that calmness allows your players to believe that it's early in the game and that kind of comeback is possible. Where'd that come from? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm a cerebral coach more so than an emotional one. I think I'm an emotional practice coach because that's where you actually make your improvements, but games are about execution and execution comes from confidence and preparedness. And so um, on game day that I don't get to now turn into a lunatic, I've, I've been able to um, instill confidence and, and make sure that my team's prepared. And I have to therefore be able to stay in a cerebral space where I can make adjustments as they come to be. And, but partly what happened in that first quarter, obviously they were shooting the ball really well. It was only a difference of probably about six inches defensively in terms of our hand placement, but also our empty possessions on offense. So we just had to, I had to kind of lock into the changes we needed to make and, and they needed to listen so that there's not a lot of emotion in that. And one of those changes was a slight adjustment of the personnel in going with a primarily four guard lineup the rest of the way to try and maximize the length defensively against high point at what juncture did you decide to go with the four guard lineup? And is that something that you make that decision yourself or do you confer with your assistants? Walk us through that process. Yeah. You know, we, we knew that they were going to be, I don't know if you call it guards or forwards. They're all about five, nine. So, you know, our guards are bigger than that. So uh, we knew they were going to play small and that we were going to try to impose our will. And I thought we got good looks early in the game. We just didn't finish. I thought our post really struggled to finish. Um, and that kind of got us a little bit unglued um, offensively. And so we call those empty possessions. Um, and that, that meant we weren't utilizing our size on the offensive end so that we, sh you know, therefore we should, um, we were out of position defensively on the defensive end because we're not going to defend a five out system as well with two bigs. So uh, give a lot of credit to Janelle. She's able to switch out now with her mobility. So we moved her um, and we allowed to switch everything with her and yeah, put in some length um, at the guard spot to kind of be um, to, to take away vision and to get you know more familiar at outside the arc defense. So also to change the pace offensively, if we're not going to be able to execute, we're going to have to score fast. And uh, fortunately, this team gives me a lot of options, Matt, and we used it. 
Yeah, and I saw you went with the four-guard lineup at one point against Radford in a situation that was perhaps not as dire in the first quarter of that game. In leading up to the season in the inter-squad action and then in that Radford game, do you utilize some of those lineups knowing there might be a time where you would have to go to it out of necessity in a spot like that high point game? You know, ironically, it's quite funny that you ask because we had talked about how we probably are going to need it before we can practice it. Because with this team being mostly the whole team coming back, I want to build the right foundation. Um, and so I didn't want to take any shortcuts. And so, you know, at today, as we move into the next week of prep, one of the areas, one of the buckets to fill is, is, is understanding what playing small looks like and why. Um, but we've got five really able posts. And so that's not something we want to be as our, as our mainstay. Um, we have to help our posts guard on the perimeter. And so what we'll do is we'll play a five, a four guard lineup against uh, a three big lineup on the defensive end and we'll play each other today. We'll get a chance to both groups get the reps that they need. Um, but that's what this year is going to be about is preparing them uh, week to week to get better, but also not lose sighting of the fact that we want to make sure we're building the right foundation moving forward. Another look at the box score from Sunday shows plus 27 in the rebound column. That's Carolina's largest rebounding margin since the Hartford game in 2017. That was a plus 33 on the glass. What pleased you about your team's efforts in the rebounding department all week? The depth of it. You know, I mean, I think that it's not just three guys getting rebounds. It's everybody takes pride on both ends. Um, we've got long guards. Um, and so that I require and ask and, and urge and the accountability built in that um, their rebounding efforts, a team effort. And uh, I don't care who on our team gets it. I care we get it. Um, and so I love the depth of it. If you look on the stat sheet over a three game period, um, there's a lot of guys fill in the rebounding category. And that, that's when we're going to be at our best. You score 90-plus on the offensive side in each game. Additionally, it's the first time in the era of online box scores, so 1998 to the present, that five Tar Heels have scored in double figures in each of the season's first three games. What, in your eyes, was the biggest key to success in spreading out the wealth offensively and it turning into that huge point total game after game this week? we're just so much better defensively than we were in any game of last year. And as a result of that, you're going to score, you have an opportunity to score more um, against the non-set defense and we're taking advantage of that. Um, and so I, I hope that we're a team that can play a variety of ways. We can play through execution. We can play through speed. We can play through zone. Um, and so, you know, we've got to continue to continue to grow the defensive end so that we continue to give ourselves um, an opportunity to take advantage um, earlier in the possession. Um, and so I give a lot of credit to where we are defensively and then just, Winning comes, uh, winning teams are willing to share the ball um, because a good shot versus a great shot, I'd rather take a whole season of great shots than a whole season of good shots. Um, and so they're sharing the ball well. It's, it's a, it, they're demonstrating to be a full team. Um, it's a fun group to coach. One last team-centric question to close out our first segment here. A little bit of a quirk in that each of your three opponents this past week were playing their season opener. What were the difficulties in scouting those teams with so much unknown heading into their matchup with the Tar Heels? Yeah, that's what it is. It's totally an unknown thing. Luckily, all three were coaches that were coming back. So you get a little bit of a tendency there. You know, a Courtney coach team is going to play a certain way regardless of who the, who the, who's on the roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't focus a ton on actions. I mean, then we knew sort of, again, the Florida golf coach, well, now she's at high point. We knew they were going to run a five out with a sort of cluster action um, because that's what she did at Florida golf coast. And that's what she did last year at high point. But in terms of their baseline out of bounds, in terms of some of these ways you try to get a, uh, an advantage, we had to just be solid in our principles. And so that's a great thing, you know, to, to say, guys, if you're solid in your principles, that our principles are enough. Um, and I thought that there were, there were a lot of excerpts in that game where our principles were enough. 
We're off and running here on the Courtney Banghart Show. Wish we were at the Carolina Club, but we can still tell you that it's your social membership club in Chapel Hill and your connection to fellow Tar Heels and friends of Carolina. The club offers exceptional dining, an unbeatable location for UNC sporting events, a full calendar of social, business, family, and community affairs, and access to the club network of over 200 private clubs. The best part, you don't even have to be a UNC alum. Everyone is welcome at the Carolina Club. Please visit carolina-club.com to learn more about your club at Carolina. We'll get into some of the individual highlights from the week that was when the Courtney Banghart Show continues after this from Learfield IMG College. We're back at the Courtney Banghart Show, talking Carolina women's basketball with the head coach herself. My name is Matt Krause, ready to play-by-play voice of Carolina women's basketball. And coach, lots of individual highlights to talk about from Carolina's 3-0 and start to the season. We'll begin with one of your senior leaders, Janelle Bailey. How about this? On Sunday, she played 21 minutes against High Point. That is the first time in her Carolina career that she has played foul-free defense. Zero personal fouls for her on Sunday. That's a first in her time in a Tar Heel uniform. What does that say about her athleticism and her defensive improvement since the time that you've arrived? It says a whole lot about her mobility. I mean, I think she's in the best shape of her life. She's she's bought into the mobility that the game at this level, as well as the, the game at the next level is going to require. Um, and you don't get uh, more mobile with in any other way than putting the work in. Um, and so she's much more mobile, so she doesn't have to reach. She doesn't have to be behind. Um, we've always, she's always had a so far above average basketball IQ. So positionally she's been in the right spot, but now she can, her position can change so quickly. So um, yeah, her mobility, I, I keep, I keep celebrating because it's not easy and it's a continued commitment, but she's buying into it and it's making a difference. Speaking of defense, another player that really stood out to me was Ariel Young. And it's kind of a COVID bonus, if you will. Ariel was supposed to sit out the first semester of this season, which meant that in a normal year, she wouldn't become eligible until roughly mid-December, seven or eight games into the season. But the fact that the season start was bumped back and the semester was bumped up meant that she's eligible right from the get-go. And she made a big impact this week. I especially noticed her coming out and applying pressure as teams were bringing the ball up the court. What is it about her game and your confidence in her that allows her to be able to apply some more of that on-ball pressure that you may not have had from players in years past. Yeah, I mean, Ariel's our dog, man. She just wants to contribute. Um, she's tough. She's accountable. She's She defends, and that's kind of her calling card. I think she's going to continue to evolve offensively. But defensively, she takes pride in, in, in saying, I want to guard and I want to stop um, the other team's threat. Um, and she gives you whatever she has. And uh, that's the kind of kid you always say, you know, that those are the kind of kids that are your coach's favorites because you can count on them. I know what I'm going to get from Ariel Young. Um, and I know she's going to continue to give me her best as she continues to grow offensively as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge weekend for her. We didn't know until less than 12 hours before the game, the first game, she was going to be cleared yet because her exams had to be graded. Um, and so a real credit to, to her that she stayed in the right brain space to be ready when, when called. The other transfer from Big Ten country, Petra Holoshinska, we knew she was a three-point specialist, and that was on display with four threes made in each of the first couple of games this season. But then on Sunday, I noticed she drove it more. She took it to the cup, and that was an element of her game that we didn't see in the first couple of games. Is that something you want her to work on, to be a little bit more versatile as she goes along this season? Not really. I'd like her to just make threes and stretch the defense. <laughs> um, we were settling a little bit too much different on the offensive end. We were settling for uh, – out of rhythm threes, we were settling for pull-ups, and um, you know, I was very clear as only I can be in, in our timeout early in the uh, start of the second quarter that we're not going to settle anymore. We're gonna we're gonna finish in the perimeter for and ones, or we're gonna take shots that are through the paint uh, in the guard spot. 
Um, and so she wasn't allowed to settle anymore. And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, she's a coachable kid. She's got a ton of experience and that's just Petra not, not settling. But once our other guards are willing to not settle, then she can be the spacer, which I know she's going to be really great at for us. We talked last week on this program about what you look for in transfers when you go into the portal and try and find some fresh talent for this program that has already begun their collegiate career. But in the case of Petra, who's a graduate transfer, who in theory you only have for one year, we can get into down the road how the non-eligibility requirement for this season plays a role in that. But when you have a player for only one year, is it a case where you try and put your stamp on them? How much do you try and change their game? Or do, is it more of a plug-and-play type situation? A little bit more of a plug-and-play. And in Petri's case, you know, what she does is, is elite. And I need her to do that on this particular team. Um, but what else I need her to do is be the right leader in the locker room. And that's the part where I take a lot more time in picking the right person. Um, because you can make a you can make a negative impact a whole lot sooner than you can make a positive one. Um, and then with Watts, you know, she wants to be a pro, and so so does Petra. But in, in Watts's case, you know, she's she's got a lot of things going for her, and she's got to learn a few key things. And um, so I think in her case, I think she also came knowing that I was going to push her to be a pro, and so I was going to there's some things with her ball handling and some things with her mid range that I was going to have to really help her with. And, and uh, she's really enjoyed it. She knows she's getting better, and, and that's required for her to play at the, the level that she wants to play at next year. A whole lot of memories came flooding back on Sunday when Stephanie Watts turned in the performance. She did 21 points, 12 rebounds, six assists, five steals. First off, how is she feeling? I know she didn't play game one against Radford, but second off, do we dare say the phrase triple-double at some point this season with Stephanie? Know, right? Uh, the thing is, the thing that I was most excited about with Steph is, is that she gets a chance to play, right? I mean, she's been, her, her, her body's broken down a little sooner than most. And so she's, she's worked hard to put it back together and um, it's back together now. And um, she is to see how well loved she is, not only by um, the, those out watching the game from afar, but also from her teammates. You know, she's just, she has put the time in. She, she's loved by her teammates. She supports them. She's quite happy coming off the bench, whatever it takes for this team to be successful. Um, and so to see her rewarded with the love back to her was, was really cool for me. And, um, you know, she's, I, I left the office about seven o'clock last night and she was in the gym getting shots up. It's what Steph does. You know, she wants to be good and, and we're here to help her. Another Tar Heel with the double-double on Sunday, Alyssa Usby, the freshman. She's the first Carolina freshman guard with the double-double since 2017. What element of her game is perhaps her best? Well, I think actually it wasn't, uh, I think the Ariel got her double-double first. I don't remember, but regardless, um, the neat thing about um, about uh, Liz is a great story is that, you know, she's actually the lowest ranked kid in that class, um, in that freshman class. And you know now how good she is. I think she's probably playing the most minutes, but she put on the um, on her on her whiteboard in her room, the number of the, the rankings, right? Because she wants to be reminded every day, she wants to remind herself that, you know, I'm the one that, that, that was, you know, that is the furthest, you know, that was picked the furthest behind in this class by whoever does that. Um, and that's just her. She just... She doesn't need a whole lot to get motivated. She just, she's, she's driven. She's incredibly relentless. And, um, you know, the best teams have those kind of kids. And she's a perfect example of the kind of kid I like to have. And one more individual performance to dive into. It's Anya Poole, the freshman from nearby Raleigh. Double-figure scoring in all three games of her Carolina debut this week. What's enabled her success right from the get-go? She does a great job taking her time on the catch. So she's in the low post a lot, and she, she takes her time to read what the defense gives her. I mean, most people at this level have a right and a left and a counter and a low two, and so does she. But a lot of people play too fast down there because of the contact, and she's not afraid of contact. So she takes her time, um, and also that she can stretch the defense a bit. 
Um, and I, more than she thinks she can, I, I'm forcing her to, I'm imploring that she shoots from the perimeter. And obviously she's shooting at a high percentage doing that. Um, but, and then also she's just played with great energy. So she rebounds out of her area. Um, you know, she's only a freshman and she's contributing in a way that you can tell is going to have a really special career here. Um, and I just, I just love her. I mean, I can't help but smile when we talk about Anya. She's just the best. We've seen her make an impact down low and from the perimeter, knocking down a couple of threes on Saturday and that went over UNCG. A reminder that three-pointers this season for the Tar Heel Women's Basketball Program are brought to you by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, the official health insurance partner of Carolina Athletics. They're reminding you to practice your three W's, wear, wait, and wash. We resolve to keep North Carolina healthy. More to come on the Courtney Banghart Show. Another time out from Learfield IMG College. Carolina women's basketball, 3-0 after a trio of victories this week against Radford, UNCG, and High Points. By the way, as of Sunday night, Carolina and South Carolina were the only two teams in the country to have played three games and won them all, so some pretty good company there. Now the Tar Heels will turn the page and take on South Carolina State on Thursday night. That'll be a 6 o'clock tip from Carmichael Arena. Reed Shoulders pregame show at 5.30. And then Sunday, the non-conference finale for the season. Charlotte pays a visit, 4 o'clock tip there, 3.30 with the Reed Shoulders pregame show. Back with head coach, the Tar Heels, Courtney Banghart. And coach, now that you've gone through three games with the COVID-19 protocols, you've gotten to see what that's like in a game setting. Have you personally adjusted any methods of communication with your team? Where's that comfort level at? Yeah, we miss you. We miss you, the Carmichael faithful. That is for sure. You know, just the game day that is magical at Carmichael. You know, I, I love it for our recruits. I love it for our student athletes. And I love it as a coach, to be honest. So we miss you um, for sure. But um, in terms of the communication, it's not as loud. So it's much easier to get your message across, right? So that's a positive, um, you know, and uh, this team is, is just too bad because this is a really fun team to watch. So make sure you're tuning in. Your line that you use is that you're a basketball junkie. You love the fact that we're playing games. It's played yeah, between the lines. So is it a situation where when the ball goes up in the air in a game setting, everything just kind of feels normal for a couple hours because you're doing what you love and you're coaching these kids and they're getting to play? 100%. Yeah. And I'm wearing, I'm wearing sneakers. Don't forget most of the time I'm wearing Jordans. So that's a little different. I'm much more mobile. You should see me running those sidelines. Um, yeah, no, it is. Once you're inside the lines, it becomes a really cerebral environment for me, an opportunity for me to make sure that I make the adjustments in a timely fashion when they need to be made um, and a way to attack uh, based on what I'm seeing on the floor. So I'm not a whole lot different. So you're not missing, the fans aren't missing much by not seeing me, except I'm wearing, I'm wearing Jordans. But the, um, the, they are missing a lot by seeing this team compete and, and celebrate one another and, and the energy at which they approach the, the, uh, the opportunity. Yeah, those Jordan 1s you had on on Saturday and Sunday, the black, the white, and the gray, those were nice looking. Uh, Thanks, I got I to see it. your uh, your whole staff wearing those on Very Saturday and Sunday. So now you're at a point in the calendar where the semester is done. The spring semester doesn't start until mid-January or so. How are you going to use this time where it's all basketball for these players to be able to make some adjustments and continue to improve? It's the best, right? This is a really unique time. It's, you know, basically the, to be a student athlete in the ACC is an incredibly challenging opportunity. And um, they don't really have to do it very much this year because they're not really in season for, I think they're in season for six of the weeks um, that we're in classes at the same time. So it's very different. Um, and so we've got a rhythm where we basically, the kids come in and work on some individual skill work um, and then they take their COVID test and then they go to lift and then they come practice um, and then we feed them. So we're spending a lot of time with them and that individual work is broken up by film or, or uh, reps on the floor. Um, and so it's just, you know, it's the, the biggest difference, Matt, is that the rigor of being a student athlete 
is real. Um, and right now the whole student part of the hyphen is taken off. And so um, they're basically getting to live uh, like they're at uh, they, like they're at a training camp in, in the pros. Um, and so the ones that take advantage of it will get better. And the ones that don't will get passed. And that's the beauty of being on a really deep team. Of course, this season, your student athletes are students, athletes, and activists. And the spotlighted cause for this week for Carolina's games against South Carolina State and Charlotte is Down Syndrome Awareness. Can you shed some light on Down Syndrome and tell us about the players that have brought that to the forefront and what your team's going to be doing surrounding that this week? Absolutely. Um, Extra Chromosome, Extra Awesome is our t-shirt today uh, or this week. And uh, you know, when I, when uh, Petra first got here, remember she was here in May because she got to get here early since there was, wasn't allowed to go overseas uh, back home. And so she got here and no one's here, no students, no nothing. Right. And so none of her teammates. And so we connected her to a very good friend of mine in the community whose, whose parents, uh, whose, I'm sorry, whose, whose kid has Down syndrome. And he's one of the, one of the biggest Tar Heel fans you'll ever meet. Uh, he's actually the same birthday as my kids. And so, you know, they, I basically said, hey, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you, you know, take care of my girl, you take care of her, blah, blah, blah. And so I connected them. So she, it's her cause this week, Petra. So she'll educate our team today after practice. Um, and we're gonna do a, um, the Gigi's Playhouse, which is a national organization um, that, really does everything from speech therapy to um, group learning to tutoring to activities with the entire Down syndrome community, which is not just children. I mean, it's adults too. And this is not obviously something that gets, that gets dropped as they get older. It's something they live with. And so we're going to do a Zoom kind of breakout. So we're going to do that tonight with our, with our team and the, and the people from Gigi's. And then they will um, break out into small breakout rooms. So they get a couple of our players plus a couple of them to engage in different bingo and other such events um, and communications. Um, and then my own personal family has donated um, to GG's. So, um, so it's just a, you know, the whole idea of this year is to donate and to support and to educate and to, and to activate. And um, we're happy that this is the week we get to celebrate Kendall and all the beautiful people that have uh, an extra chromosome, extra awesome. We appreciate that extra chromosome, extra awesome down syndrome awareness, the spotlighted cause for Carolina women's basketball this week. It's the corny bank hard show sponsored by the Carolina club, your social membership club in Chapel Hill and your connection to fellow Tar Heels and friends of Carolina. The club offers exceptional dining, an unbeatable location for UNC sporting events, a full calendar of social business, family and community affairs and access to the club network of over 200 private clubs. You don't even have to be a UNC alum. Everyone is welcome at the Carolina club. Please visit carolina-club.com to learn more about your club at Carolina. When we return from our final break of the show, we will preview the two home games this week, South Carolina State and Charlotte. We'll break them down after this from Learfield IMG College. One more reminder that three-pointers this season by the Carolina Women's Basketball Program are sponsored by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, the official health insurance partner of Carolina Athletics. They're reminding you to practice your three W's, wear a face covering, wait six feet apart, and wash your hands frequently. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, we resolve to keep North Carolina healthy. Back for our final segment of this edition of the Courtney Banghart Show with the head coach of the Tar Heels. Coach, two games this week back on that Thursday-Sunday rotation that you'll see through the rest of the year. South Carolina State is the first opponent, the Bulldogs out of the MEAC. Six o'clock tip on Thursday night. So what can you tell us about a team that still has to play one more game? They play Wednesday afternoon, but then we'll come and visit Carmichael on Thursday. 
Yeah, that's the thing. We've only got one game. They played Coastal Carolina, which actually one of our grad transfers, Olivia Smith, was on that team. So we got to see her too, which was fun. Um, but, um, you know, it's hard to tell after just one game because, you know, especially with these, um, some of the smaller schools, they didn't have as much time as we had because their universities didn't bring them back as early in the summer. So they're still kind of identity is, is continuing to be formed. Um, and, uh, you know, just like when you shorten that preparation time every day is more and more important. So who they were when they played coastal, they'll be six days different when they see us. So uh, we'll be ready for, um, they're also going to spread us out. It seems to be the, the theme right this year. Um, so we're going to have to be better on the perimeter on the defensive end than we were uh, against high point. Um, and I think they'll struggle with our speed and we're going to continue to try to push. Uh, they're going to play a little bit of mixing defenses. Um, but you know, it's about us this time of the year. We've got one more week to prepare before we get into ACC play. And Sunday's non-conference finale, I was surprised when I looked up and found out that Sunday is only the third meeting all time between Carolina and Charlotte. First time since 1984 these two programs have gotten together. But there is a tie in that your assistant, Joanna Luca-White, comes from the Queen City. So what have you learned from her about the 49ers who come to Carmichael on Sunday? Well, we sort of do one game at a time here, so I haven't I haven't talked with her yet about that about them. But I watched their game last yesterday against Clemson, and they played them most recently. What a great game to watch! I mean, they are um, they're also going to spread you out. Um, <laughs> I like their pieces. They've got a really good freshman. They just got I like their big. I, I like a lot of their pieces. They share it well. Um, you know, they they switch in some ball screen stuff. They they're they're I just like that team. I think that team's going to win a lot of games. I think they'll be in the hunt to win their conference. Um, they're fast. They're the, they're I think the best team that we've played at, up to that point. Um, and so it's also the, the last non-conference before entering conference play. We'll play them again next year. So it's a start of a home and home. Um, so you kind of want to start that right. But um, very, very good team. That should be a fun team to watch. And as we said, it's a Thursday, Sunday this week, and that gets you ready for the rhythm of ACC play to follow. I imagine that that's a benefit for some of these younger players that have not experienced that before, isn't it? Yeah, that was our that was our choice. I mean, we had hoped to have a little bit. We wanted to have as tough as a non-conference schedule as we could, and that became very difficult once we had to cancel all of our non-conference games and start over and play more regional. Um, so we had to drop some power fives. But at the same time, we got to play three over Thanksgiving, which was important to me considering these kids have been here since July with, without going home. So they wanted their families to be able to see a handful of games when they could come out. Um, and then even if it was just on the TVs in their you know dorm rooms. Um, and then we wanted a Thursday, Sunday, because that's what mirrors it. So... Uh, it was well thought out, uh, given the many different um, – we had to do a lot of things differently this year. But, um, yeah, we're into our final week, and then I can't believe it. It's ACC play, 20 of them, holy moly, um, with this team. Looking forward to it. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time here today. Best of luck this weekend against the Bulldogs and the 49ers. Hopefully the Tar Heels can keep up their hot shooting ways and improve to 5-0 and by the time we talk next week. That would be great, Matt. I appreciate all you do. Uh, go Heels. Carolina and South Carolina State, Thursday night, 6 o'clock. Reed Stiller's pregame show begins our coverage at 5.30. And then a Sunday matinee, Charlotte and Carolina, just the third meeting all time between the two in-state programs. 4 o'clock, the tip time for that one. We'll be on the air with the Reed Stiller's pregame show at 3.30. For the head coach of the Tarnios, Courtney Banghart, I'm Matt Krause. This has been the Courtney Banghart Show. We'll catch you next week. Our next show tapes next Tuesday. Look for it Wednesday morning in the Tar Heel Voices podcast feed. It's the Courtney Banghart Show from Learfield IMG College. Coach Banghart Live has been brought to you by the Carolina Club, your social and business club in Chapel Hill, and your connection to fellow Tar Heels and friends of Carolina. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network.